Today's reading is a fresh translation of the Lord's Prayer. As I read, join me in praying these words in the quiet of your own heart. Dear Father, always near us and filling the heavens, may your name be treasured and loved. May your rule be completed in us and may your will be done here on earth in just the way it is done in heaven. Give us today the things we need today and forgive us our sins and impositions on you as we are forgiving all who in any way offend us. Please don't put us through trials but deliver us from everything bad because you are the one in charge and you have all the power and the glory too is all yours forever, which is just the way we want it. Well, uh, today we're going to be thinking about how to pray. So if you remember uh, a few weeks ago, Lou introduced the series we're in, which is looking at five core practices, which we're going to try and develop and grow in as disciples of Jesus and as a church community wants to grow in. And we're looking at prayer, start with prayer. And uh, so I'm picking up the second half. Lou talked about why we should pray. And today we're looking at some of the simple uh, ways in which we can grow as people who pray. So that's the end of what I, I, I'm wanting to do. And you know, the thing about uh, prayer, as I've been uh, researching this, is that um, we heard the Lord's Prayer, Dallas Willard translated that, which is quite a nice translation. But in the Lord's Prayer, you actually learn a great deal about God. For instance, you learn God's first name. And if you know this, if you, you know in the Lord's Prayer, it says, uh, Our Father who art in heaven, Harold be thy name. So there you know, that's God's first name is Harold. So that's a great bit of information to have. Uh, you also know that when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you learn that in all of creation, Jesus' favorite animal is the tortoise. Do you know that? Because the Lord's Prayer is the prayer that Jesus taught us. So you got that as well. Um, uh, separation of church and state comes into play when we talk about prayer. People get very wound up about it all. But uh, you probably know that in, if you go to Congress, the House of Representatives have a chaplain who every day before the start of their session, the chaplain says a prayer. And what he or she actually does is they look around at the assembled politicians and then they pray fervently for the people of this nation. Uh, prayer also reminds me of the eight-year-old who had just taken a test at school and then prayed, Dear God, please, please, can Paris be the capital of Turkey? We've probably all prayed prayers like that, haven't we? And we've been in a situation. Uh, and for those of you a little bit older, uh, teenagers, you will enjoy this uh, in particular. Uh, did you know, I found this uh, very interesting, did you know that there are three similarities between prayer and kissing? Everyone's gone very quiet. You're eager to hear these, I can tell. Okay, here, the, here they are. The three similarities between prayer and kissing. Number one, you can do it with your eyes open or your eyes closed. Number two, you can moan and groan in agreement. And number three, it's entirely up to you whether or not you use tongues. So there you go, three similarities <laughs> between prayer and kissing. Okay, so the reason you're wondering what earth is this clown doing at the front? And the reason I'm trying to tell you a few things like this is because I think we get hung up on prayer. We get hung up on prayer. Uh, most of us feel completely inadequate. We feel like failures. We feel like, I'm no good at praying. I don't know how to pray. My prayers don't work. And we kind of feel despondent about it most of the time. 
And uh, I hope that today, I, uh, my goal is that you will leave just a bit more encouraged and perhaps with a little bit more of a, a, some, some ideas of how you can uh, grow as a prayer, person of prayer. And it's actually very achievable and manageable. So to start, uh, you've got, uh, a, on the way in, in the bulletin, there's actually uh, some sermon notes. If you want to grab those out and grab a pen, because there's something you're going to do right now uh, on here. There's a little self-assessment thing at the start of there. So get your pen. There's some pencils in the seat pockets in front if you don't have one. And you'll see that at the start it says self-assessment. And uh, this is just a super quick uh, survey. What I want you to do is this. Write down next to it the word prayer or praying. Then I want you to write down a number. The number's going to be a number between 1 and 10. 1 represents I'm absolutely abysmal at prayer, like I just about never pray. Ten is like, I'm really consistent in prayer and I'm, you know, and there's, I'm quite effective in it, okay? And you can write ten if you want, because Jesus is twenty, alright? So it's not arrogant to say ten, alright? Just quick blink decision, write down what number you are right now. Don't overthink it, gut response, write it down. Okay, and then, then take like 15 seconds and look over at your neighbours <laughs> in a spirit of judgement and just see how they're doing. Have a quick look at your neighbours. Okay. So uh, what we've done is we've set the stage up a little differently. And uh, I'm going to do some bits of teaching, but also I'm going to do some examples of praying. And um, so we've created this space, which is meant to represent that place in your home where perhaps uh, you can go and pray. And it's just a spot where you can be still and you can be quiet and maybe you can enjoy the peace and the presence of the Lord. It might be an armchair, it might be uh, sitting in your bed, it might be at the kitchen table, I, I don't know where it is for you. But that place where perhaps you just find it easy to go there. And if you don't have a regular spot, I would encourage you to try and find one, because it just helps in the rhythm of, of your daily prayer life. So that's what this space is going to represent. And, um, oh, by the way, something I need to do, just real quick, hang on, just get this out, just get my thermos... And it's going to pour my tea out here, because obviously when you pray, you need a cup of tea. Because um, as we all know, Jesus' favorite drink is tea. And um, really what happens is when you pray, you sit down in the Lord's presence. And I get my cup of tea. I say, Jesus, I want to spend a bit of time with you. And he's there. He's got his cup of tea as well in heaven. And we sit there and we have a cup of tea together. And we chat. And we enjoy being with one another. And there's something about that picture, isn't there, which is really inviting and enticing. It's not all rules. It's not about have I done it right or have I got it wrong or um, being in fear. And I know there's a holy fear, and we'll talk about that as we go through. But there's something just, it's just meant to be very natural and relational. You'll see in your uh, handouts, there's a quote there from uh, St. Teresa of Avila. And she says, prayer is nothing more than a conversation with God who loves me. Uh, one of the things I notice when, when I read Jesus' teaching on prayer is how focused he is on interacting with God as his Father. That's, that's the kind of the, the key element, perhaps, that we learn above all else from Jesus when he prays. He just says, Father, Abba, Daddy. And he converses with him about all sorts of stuff. And um, the, the underlying assumption that Jesus has is that God our Father is a good God. He's not, a, he's not a mean God. He's not trying to find ways to catch us out or to say, aha, I've caught you sinning, now I can zap you. 
He's not thinking about this. He's a good father, and he just loves us to draw close to him. I heard someone uh, describe it like this. They said they, they imagine it being, when we pray, it's like God's got this bank, this heavenly bank full of good things. And uh, we're his kids, and he loves us just to come and make withdrawals from that bank. And some of those will be material things, but also it's all sorts of things. It could be grace uh, for a relationship. It could be we, we need to receive forgiveness. It could be we need to receive compassion and his mercy. It could be healing. It could be encouragement. There's all sorts of wonderful things that God's got for us, and we just need to come before him. And when we pray, it's one of the ways we access those good things that God has got for us. And um, uh, from my own experience, I know for many of you as well, just... Just the greatest thing is when you have those moments where you can be with God and you can hear his voice. You can, you can sense God speaking to you, prompting you, encouraging you, nudging you, stirring you. Whether it's in the big dramatic moments or just in the small everyday mundane stuff. And, and becoming a people of prayer and growing in the ability to pray is, is um, that's where we're aiming for. Just this sense of being able to almost immediately be aware of what God is saying in a situation. And so today, what I want to do is just, as I say, give you some examples. You've got some headings on the sheet there. Um, I wrote them out in case I don't get through them all or whatever. So, so uh, you've got something you can take away there, and there's the scriptures as well in there. By the way, one of the things about um, praying is I would always, in, I, I've learned over the years and, and trying to keep learning, is to always anchor it in the Bible where you can. Uh, I find that as I read the Bible uh, as part of my daily practice um, and just as I go through life, uh, God will often speak through it in a way that encourages me to pray. So maybe you read something and it's a promise to, to take hold of. Maybe it's a blessing to receive. Maybe it's an invitation to draw close. Maybe it's a challenge I need to respond to. Maybe it's uh, whatever it is. There's so many ways God speaks to us through the Bible and uh, I think one of the great ways we can learn to pray is actually just taking what we read in Scripture and just turning that into a prayer for our own lives and the situations we find ourselves in. So you'll see on, on, on the sheet there's, there's Scriptures throughout just as a way of helping it illustrate that. So let's jump into this first heading. And I, I've kind of grouped them into five big categories. And the first one is entering in. And uh, there's two headings there. And the first one is, is one I love to do, and it's Thanksgiving. So you see there's a verse there, and I'd like us to read this together. So on your sheets, verse 100, verse, sorry, Psalm 100, verse 4. Let's read this together. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. One of the uh, influences that Hannah and I had when we lived in the UK was from the church in Western Africa. There's a lot of Nigerians and Ghanaians and folks from nations like that who live in the UK. And... Um, uh, we, I don't know if you know, but over the last generation or so, there's been a massive revival, massive move of God in that part of the world. And so uh, one of the movements that's there uh, is led by a guy called Enoch Adebayo, and it began in the early 80s. And they have once a month uh, what they call their monthly Holy Ghost service. And it's an all-night of prayer. So um, here's a bit of fun here. Just turn to your neighbor and guess how many people turn up at this church in Nigeria for their monthly Holy Ghost night of prayer. Just turn to your neighbor, have a guess at the number. Okay, 
Raise a hand if the person next to you said a million. Anyone get a million? Well done. Back corner. Well done. Gold star to you. Because that is the, that's what they get. They get a million people every month to spend the night in prayer. It's crazy, isn't it? And then once a year, they do their annual retreat and they call it their Holy Ghost Congress, which is a wonderful title. And uh, so just again, but how many people do they get for their week-long Holy Ghost Com- Congress? Just guess with your neighbor, real fast. Okay, and uh, you can raise a hand if you've got this. The actual answer is they're not, it, it's so big, it's hard to measure but they reckon it's between five and seven million people arrive. They, they've got this building which is two kilometers by three kilometers long. It's like, it's like a roof on open sides. I mean, it's just phenomenal, isn't it? When you think about that. There's something which they've learned about prayer. And here's, here's the interesting, th- interesting thing. Um, those, the leaders of that movement would say the key piece in this is that they've learned to be a people who are thankful. They would say Thanksgiving has been above anything else the thing that's most led to the revival that they've seen in that nation. And so um, one of the lessons I've learned from, from that is I try and start my prayer times with Thanksgiving. And I want to give you a real practical way uh, in which we can do it. Obviously, uh, you know, it's a very biblical thing to do. And we're told, you know, give thanks in all circumstances, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians uh, 5. But um, here's the practical thing I do, and we're going to try, try doing this now. So we're going to pray. So each day when I start my prayer time, I stop and I try and bring to mind five things from the previous day, or if you're doing it in the evening, you could do it for that day, the previous 24 hours for which I'm thankful. And it can't be the same five. So I don't get to go Hannah, Joel, Samuel, Alex, Molly the dog. All right, I can't say the same five every day. Okay, you've got to kind of be a bit more because that's cheating, all right? So, um, so... Five things. So that might be a discipline you want to start. Maybe start with three. There's nothing magic about five. But just force yourself each day. You start your prayer time with some stuff to be thankful. So let's just pause now. Uh, and we're going to pray for a moment. I, let's just maybe bring to mind two things from yesterday for which we're grateful. So, Father God, I thank you um, for the many good things you, you give to us. And I thank you yesterday for the great phone call I had with my mum and uh, <clears throat> the vitality and health you bring to her. And I thank you also for the uh, fun conversations which uh, we were having as a family uh, yesterday evening. And Lord, I'm just so grateful for all the goodness that you pour into our lives and um, the many ways in which you blessed and enrich and are kind to, to me and my family and those around me. And um, I just give you praise and honor because you are a loving, good and generous God. And um, I'm so thankful for all that you, you have given to me. Amen. What you might do at that point is perhaps move in, on into just some time of adoring God and, and, and being grateful you know, there's something about thankfulness and gratitude which it's almost like resets your clock, your spiritual body clock, and you stop thinking about yourself for a moment and instead you, you're, you're focusing upon the Lord and all that he has given to us. And uh, even in the darkest of times, I believe that we can always find something to be thankful for. 
related to Thanksgiving, by the way, uh, something that I've, I also find helpful is just uh, choosing to worship as well. And worship comes in lots of different forms. Something that helps me, this, I'll just throw this out in case it's useful. Uh, I love listening to um, uh, live contemporary worship albums. I just find them incredibly helpful to so stuff like Bethel Music or Vineyard or uh, Hillsong, stuff like that. So for me, that's a really helpful entry way into God's presence. And I find that something that stirs me into prayer. It might be something like that for you. It might be something completely different. But again, I would encourage you, find the things that help you to worship God. And if you, that's, that might be a new thing for you, so maybe try that as well. Uh, just moving on, the second heading under entering in is confession. And confession is just two things, really. It's saying sorry, and it's receiving forgiveness. Those two things go together. Uh, and so let's, let's do that now. So... Let's pause in God's presence together. Close your eyes or whatever you find helpful to do. And Lord, we pray if there's anything we just need to release to you now to confess and to give back to you in the quiet of our own hearts, we pray that you just show us what that is right now. And we say sorry for that thing, Lord, those words or that deed that thinking. We give it back to you. We say we repent of that behavior. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that through your death on the cross that that sin is wiped away and that actually we receive forgiveness and a fresh start from you. Even if it's the 70th time or the 700th time or the 7 millionth time, you love to bring forgiveness to us. And so we don't take it glibly or lightly, but again, we do enter into it, we embrace it, and we receive that precious gift which you love to give to us. First John chapter 1, these wonderful words. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so there's this tremendous picture there in the Bible that God loves to forgive, and so confession should be part of our daily prayer practices. So that's the entering in part. Uh, the second heading I've put down here, the big heading, is intercession, uh, which is kind of the catch-all term uh, for praying for others and praying for ourselves, praying for the needs that we have around us. Uh, on our sheets, let's read this verse together. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Uh, one of the things that uh, I feel, to, we'll jump into praying like this in a moment, is um, it's important to have the right posture when we come to pray for our world and our, our needs and the needs of those we know and love. And I think the posture is this. It is that God wants to partner with us. God wants to partner with us. Uh, let me put this another way. Uh, the thought that, the way it's kind of crystallized down in my mind is this. I would describe it as God is in charge, but he's not in control. God's in charge, but he's not in control. Before you worry that I'm going off heretical on you, what I mean is this. Uh, God is all-powerful. God reigns. He is supreme. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And yet, at the same time, he's also chosen to create us to co-reign with him. To, to exercise authority and partnership with him over this 
planet. So we see that with Adam and Eve after they're created. He gives them authority to rule and to help develop his creation. And uh, because they choose the path of sin at the fall, that authority that God's given to them gets transferred to the enemy. And so that's, part, that's how this creation we live in gets broken and messed up and sin is in the world in an endemic way. But when Jesus dies on the cross, uh, he, one of the things that happens between the cross and the resurrection, as we read in the scriptures, he, he goes to hell and it's almost like in hell he takes back the keys of authority that the enemy has taken. And he says, these are mine now, I'll have them. And so when he rises again, he says, all authority is mine. And when he's ascended into heaven, which he is, he shares that authority with us, with his people. And so again, we're back into this, this wonderful situation where we get to co-labor with God and helping his wonderful plan come about uh, more and more. And so we get to help him uh, see his kingdom advance and to take ground. Now we're in this in-between time between the first and the second coming of Jesus. There's still sin around us. The things we long to see go away, sin and death and sickness and suffering and evil, all the things that, that of course we hate and God hates even more. Those things are still in existence, but we know ultimately they are defeated at the cross. And when, and when Jesus comes again, that will be the final end of those things. But in this in-between time, we get this amazing ability to join with God in helping uh, the kingdom, his kingdom roll forward and those things roll, be pushed back. And one of the ways we can do that most effectively is through prayer. So that's why prayer is so important, you see. It's actually not just us saying some stuff. It's actually having a spiritual impact, and it transforms the world around us. And so intercession, when we pray for others, petition, when we pray for ourselves, that that, that whole area together, is a tremendously powerful spiritual weapon that we get to join in together. And so um, I, I, I would just say that when we come and pray these things, we should pray with a real boldness, a real confidence that we have a good God who loves to hear these things. And as long as what we're praying is in line with God's kingdom, and, you know, Lord, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. As long as we're in line with that sense of how God operates, then we can pray crazy big prayers and see what God wants to do. And, you know, often we, our prayers are like teeny tiny little baby prayers. And we need to have big, hairy, audacious prayers that we're almost, you know, that are kind of, you know, uh, almost, uh, you know, we're almost ashamed to have other people here because they're so big and bold. But we're told in the scripture that's how we should be. You know, the parable of the persistent widow, for instance. Uh, so, so let's be people who are not afraid to pray audacious prayers as well when we're, when we're praying. So here, let's just do a little bit of intercession together now. So, uh, so try with me. I'm just going to pray for a, just a couple of situations. Again, it's not an exhaustive list, but just, just to illustrate this. Father God, so Father, as we as we join together in praying for our church family, uh, our minds uh, quickly go towards the Stump family, and we again want to lift before you Dan and Dana and Kelly and Shelby. And, um, Lord, their unimaginable loss. And we, we pray that you would, you would be drawing them closer to you than ever before. Lord, we, we lift them up before you and we pray, would your peace that passes all understanding guard them and protect them? Would your presence be rich and fragrant amongst them, even in the midst of 
this terrible time, Lord, that they'd be so aware of your presence with them and your peace. Father, we, we also want to pray for uh, Marsha Dobler in hospital. And we pray that your healing hand would be on her. Thank you that she is improving. We pray that your complete healing would fall upon her. Uh, Lord, it's a joy to see you down here this morning. We pray that you would encourage both of them at this time. And we pray for that complete healing on her. Lord, we thank you for Lou and for Laurie Hughesman. And we pray as they prepare to go on sabbatical in a week's time that you would... Um, just give them an amazing summer of rest and of renewal. Your hand and your presence would be, be with them, that they would um, receive the healing that you have for them, the blessing that you have for them, the direction that you have for them, and your presence would be so close to them in all that they do. Father, we want to pray for uh, the high school students uh, who, are, who are on campus uh, this past week and this week ahead, taking AP tests. And um, Lord, we know for them it's just an incredibly stressful time. So we pray, Lord, that as they walk onto campus this week, that they would, um, as they walk into this church, this church buildings, that they would um, be aware of your peace that abides here and your presence. Lord, I pray that you would wash away worry and stress and you'd help them to just to perform really well. Even the students haven't done very much revision, Lord. We pray that you give them great results as well. So, Lord, bless them and pray they'd have a great experience even in the midst of having to do something horrible like exams. And finally, Father, we want to pray for our nation. You tell us to pray for our, those in authority. So we pray for President Trump. We pray for those in Senate, in the House of Representatives. We pray for the leaders in California and in Long Beach. Pray for your wisdom, your understanding, your grace to be upon them, that they would walk in paths of righteousness that um, honour you. And Lord, we pray that also for the nations of the world as well. That uh, you would guide those in leadership and you would bring about uh, your kingdom plans across this planet through them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Just turn to your neighbour and go, this is so simple, anyone could do this. <laughs> okay, a couple more things. I'm going to go quickly through these because uh, I'm almost out of time, but um, I just want to touch on these quickly. Uh, the next heading we've got is battle. And I've put down here uh, two subheadings of protection and of warfare. Uh, and really what we mean by this is we recognise there is a spiritual battle as we walk with Jesus, and that we need to learn to pray for ourselves, for our household, for those who are dear to us, for um, the world around us. And it's praying for, for all aspects of life, the physical realm, the spiritual realm, emotional realm, the, the relational realm. Uh, there's this great verse, uh, Isaiah 41, verse 10. Let, let's say this together, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Uh, it's been said that Satan laughs at our words, he mocks at our toil, but he trembles when we pray. And uh, one of the ways in which I, I pray, when I want to pray into this area, is I, I think about the armour of God, which Paul writes about in Ephesians 6, you can read it later. And um, 
It's this picture that Paul gives us. By the way, it, it, it's, it's an illustration, so it's not an exhaustive list. He was looking at Roman soldiers and what they had then. I actually add a couple of things to it, which I think are in the passage, but using modern stuff. So um, I'll, I'll pray this now. This is how I might pray using spiritual armour. And on each of them, I might extemporise out a bit more as I was doing it, but I'll do it quick for you now just to show you what I mean. So it's, let's pray this as we think about spiritual warfare. Mm. I'm going to stand because I quite like to stand for this, pray, this bit of praying. So, Father God, uh, we as a people want to take on uh, your belt of truth buckled around our waist. May we be people who are girded with your truth and everything hangs off the fact that we stand on your truth and we are people of integrity. We thank you for your breastplate of righteousness which covers all the vital organs and uh, we thank you that through what Jesus has done on the cross, through his blood shed there, that we we now are covered with his righteousness. We are made right with you, Lord God. And uh, that gives us this tremendous protection and safety around us. Father, we pray that we would have our feet clothed with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That we would be men and women and boys and girls who are always ready to step forward uh, and share your gospel and share the good news about Jesus with those around us. That, and as we do so, it will be characterized that uh, that, that your peace would fall on the lives and the people that we get to interact with. Father, we pray that we would be people who know how to take up the shield of faith that defends us from all those annoying little fiery darts of the evil one, and that we would have alongside it the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, that we would be people who are founded on Scripture, and we would allow your Word to shape us and to mould us, and when the enemy tries to tempt us or steer us away, that, that you would bring to mind, you would lead us into bits of the Bible that that more than answer that and, and, and protect us. We pray also for the helmet of salvation upon our heads, that our minds and our thought life and our memories would be soaked and clothed uh, with your salvation, that, that both past, that past, present and future of our lives, that we would experience your sozo salvation that transforms and redeems and, and, and releases us into all that you have for us. Father, I also pray that we would have the earpiece that enables us to hear what it is you're saying in every situation, that we can hear your voice in every moment. We would have, um, we'd have like spiritual night vision goggles that we can see what you are doing in every situation, even situations that seem far off or, we, or, or in the natural we can't quite see, but in the spiritual we would have eyes to see what it is you're doing. And Father, also we pray that we would be people who learn how to pray in the Spirit uh, and uh, be, be able to see that the mighty weapon that that is as well. So uh, we pray these things for ourselves and for our households and those who are dear to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'm not going to get into this now because um, I know it's people who have different opinions on it, but for me, uh, that's where I would actually spend a little bit of time praying in tongues. Um, and I take that from 1 Corinthians 14 where Paul says he, he wants us all to to have that as a gift that we utilise and use because it does edify ourselves and enables us to encounter the Lord. And I think it's, it's a sense of human language runs out and that spiritual gift of an angelic language is something which enables us to pray about things which we know we want to pray but we don't know how to pray. So that's uh, how I would use that there. And then uh, empowering. Uh, this is where uh, we'll talk a bit about, uh, this is the fourth heading. Um, so we've got Ephesians 6 verse 18. Uh, which is a wonderful verse, which says, let's read this together, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. 
And uh, the reason Paul wants us to be filled with the Spirit, because you may think, well, I, I'm a Christian, I got baptized, aren't I filled with the Spirit? Why should I be filled anymore? The reason we need it is because we leak, all right? Uh, and uh, also because there's always more of God. Now, here's what sometimes people say. People say, they say, look, I'm a cup and God has filled me with his spirit. How can I get any more of his spirit in me? Which sounds like a really great argument, except for it's a flawed analogy. Uh, a better analogy is this. Let me do this. So you've got a balloon here. Okay, that's full of air at the moment, isn't it? But also, you could get more air into it. And I think that's a better picture of what God wants to do with us. You're full of the Spirit, but actually there's always more of God that can come into us. And of course, we do that quite easily. And, uh, and so, that, so that, that's why we need to keep on being filled with God's Spirit. And a couple of hours I put them down here is that I will pray uh, for, about the fruit of the Spirit... And there might be a particular one saying, Lord, you know, and there's normally, I need all nine of them every day, multiple times. But there might be something the Lord's highlighting, he wants to do in your life, he wants to develop in you. Maybe you're aware of a situation you're going into and saying, Lord, would you give me certain gifts of your spirit? It might just be a gift of wisdom, gift of, of discernment for a situation you're going into. Uh, and praying for those things. And then uh, the other phrase I put down there is, wait on the Lord. And uh, obviously we haven't got time to do this now. But it's just this sense of, allowing a few moments in our prayer time just to be quiet and to sit quietly in God's presence. And um, uh, if you're not quite sure what to do, something that I found useful is I'll just open up my calendar for the day and I'll just see what's on there and just sit with that, almost like present that before God and say, God, what do you want to speak to me about for this day? And it's amazing how God will give you little prompts, little nudges, little insights about the meeting you're going into at work, or the conversation you're going to have with someone, or uh, it could be as mundane as the shopping run you're going to be making, and something that's going to happen there. And God loves to give us wisdom and insight and preparation for these things. So allow God into all the little, boring, everyday stuff of your day, and, it's a, and watch and see as he, as he transforms it uh, in those situations. So I'd really encourage you to do that. And by the way, when you're praying... Uh, it's just an aside, is sometimes you, we get distracted and someone comes to mind, a name comes to mind, or we think about someone, and we go, oh, that's distracting. Uh, and it might be, but sometimes that also can be God just nudging us and saying, hey, I want you to pray for this person. Or maybe I want you to text them later in the day, check in with them. So may, uh, often have a pen and paper to hand, just jot down that person, and maybe reach out to them during the day. Just assume that maybe God is speaking to you about that thing. And then finally, then I'm going to stop, uh, is this. We've got the heading of being sent and uh, we are a people who are God's witnesses. So let's just read this last one together. Uh, Ch- Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, uh, Reinhard Bonnke, who's, who's a famous uh, evangelist in Africa, says, evangelism without prayer is like explosive without a detonator. And uh, so we need to be regularly praying for the places where we live, work, and play. Uh, and think about the people of peace that you have in your life, the people who are not yet believers, but are open to Jesus in you. 
and be praying for them. Pray about the people you're going to be interacting with at work or in your neighbourhood or in your family. Uh, people you're just going to run into as you do, as you do everyday life. Uh, as far as you can, pray for specific names and ask that Lord will enable you to be an effective witness for him in those situations and, and to give you all that you need. We need to be praying for these situations. And it's amazing, again, if we're faithful in praying, how God changes those things. And then finally, the other element of being sent is that we're sent to be a blessing. We're sent to be a blessing. And, uh, you know, God loves to bless us and prosper us, and, and we get to enjoy the goodness of that. But he loves to bless, and pro- bless us and prosper us so that we can be a blessing to others. We're blessed to be a blessing. And so it's good to stop and pray for God's blessing on us, upon our households, and pray for his blessing upon those around us, and that his blessing will flow through us and impact people around us wherever we go. And that's not a selfish thing to do. That's the right thing to do. As we see here in this verse, let's just read this verse together. Almost, I think we should declare this. Psalm 67, verses 6 and 7. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Uh, at the bottom of your sheet, it says review. Here's what I want to do for review. What's the one thing you could take away from this wealth of ideas that I've spewed out? What's the one thing that you could take away that you're going to perhaps try or experiment with? Or is there something God's prompted you as you've been listening? What's that one thing you could take away and, and to develop your prayer life this week? <laughs>